I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slings. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? Let's send you out on the right note. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. Wow. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzola, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube on a Sunday night championship weekend, reviewing the two games right now. Right after the games. What is it, 9 56 p.m.? Yeah, right that's after. Right. So you're getting this early if you're waking up early on Monday morning looking for the recap. Right but now. Right now. They're probably handing the trophy to some billionaire owner. Yeah. You know, not the players, not the coach, billionaire. You, sir. That's right. We're missing the trophy ceremony. We're missing the trophy ceremony right now because Mm -hmm. we're live for you with our instant reaction for the game. We've got, uh, what is it, Super Bowl 58? Is that what we have? Sure. We could say Super Bowl because it's not an ad. We're allowed to say Super Bowl. We don't have to say the big game. Yeah. He doesn't understand off camera here what it means when we're live. You can't talk to me, Harry. You can't talk. We're live. We pressed record. We need a break. So uh, it's going to be a rematch. From whatever the last Super Bowl was, 2019, 49ers and Chiefs. Mm. A little rematch here. Yeah, when was that one? Live? Was that Live? Live? 54? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, rematch. Kansas City, San Francisco. Um, yeah, two good games, though. In different ways, but good games. Yeah, let's start in reverse order here, then. With okay. um, what we just saw in the NFC Championship. San Francisco, 49ers, 34. Detroit Lions, 31. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so Harry, let me just really quick. Harry, do you want to come brag about your picks? Is that what you're saying? Okay, come over here real quick. Can we have Harry on the show really quick? I don't think we have a choice at this point. No. Yeah. Harry, come over here. Come brag about your picks. You got 50%. No? You going to do it? While all the people... Hurry up. Come tell everybody. How'd you do it? Tell Sam I beat you in picks. You beat you so too or just me? He beat me too. Oh, yeah. okay. He Good. beat both of us. Come here. I think that's an important hi clarification. Say hi, yeah. You got to use a real voice and explain how how did you hit on fifty percent of your picks? How'd you do it? Just guessed. Yeah. Did you have a system? Do you have a system? How'd no. you do it? Just straight up guesswork, huh? One. one. Yeah. Four. Say it out loud. One, one week I had thirteen wins. You did have thirteen wins one yeah. week. All right, that's your that's your uh, good job. You're you're famous. You gotta, we got to work on your. Uh, Camera presence. All right, get off the camera. Get it's out of still here. better than your first attempt, where you just stared blankly what at the camera. What do you mean? Like I never saw the light of day. You never saw the light of day. I saw it. The first time that yeah. I was on camera with Chris. All right, you got to stay off the camera now. No, no, no. All right, that's enough. The people are here to talk about the game, so let's reset for social. San Francisco 49ers 34, Detroit Lions 31. Niners off to the Super Bowl. Didn't look like that for a while, though. It was 24-7, to Sam. Yeah. The, I mean, the start of the game was the Lions executed the script. You know, the one that we've been talking about for weeks. They, they got the ball. They didn't take the ball. They were given the ball. The 49ers deferred for the second half. So they didn't care about that whole dynamic. They gave the Lions the opportunity to have the ball first. They scored. They went down. They scored a touchdown. They did it pretty impressively. Um, they then got a stop. And then they got another touchdown. They got up 14-0. They put the 49ers in that hole. 
And at least for the first half, it did kind of look like it was working. The 49ers didn't really look uh, themselves. You know, they were struggling. Um, the Lions were having no problems whatsoever. And at least for the first half, it looked like this might work. They were going to force the Niners to play from a hole for basically the entirety of the game. And then the second half, the Lions stopped scoring, and that became a problem. I want, I want to go back and forth between the individual plays that made this thing happen, but like the high-level narrative type of stuff as well. Because I think um, the Shouty shows on, on, they're not on right now. They'll not be yet. on in the morning. Yeah. And you know they're going to be critical of Dan Campbell yes. in his fourth down decisions. Yeah, well, to be fair, that's one that won't just be the shouty shows. A lot of people, I think, are going to criticize Dan Campbell for being too aggressive, for going for it on fourth down multiple times in the second half and not trying to kick points. So the, the first big one, uh, third quarter, they're up 24 to 10, and they're in field goal range. And they, they, they have a third and four where they run the ball. And again, I just want to continue to compliment Greg Olson. When he calls these games, he just does a really good job of not only painting the picture of what's happening, but knowing his research and knowing what he's looking for going in. Multiple times during this, he said they changed their third down decision making, Detroit, in order to go for it on fourth and short. And yeah. so, again, third and four, they run it to make it fourth and two. They're going to go for it. They're up 14. They go for it. Jared Goff steps up in the pocket. Throws the ball a little bit down and away to Josh Reynolds, who drops the pass. And that was the biggest turning point in the game. A fourth and two drop by Josh Reynolds. He had a drop later that came back to bite as well. Yeah. But that was the one I think people would say is the most egregious one because it, they were in field goal range and they had a chance to go up 17. Sure. Um, but look, this is, I mean, there's that you know famous line, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. This is Dan Campbell. One of the reasons they've been so successful this season is because of going for these fourth down decisions. And, you know, Kevin Clark had a tweet that if, you know, if you're going to praise him for, go for going for it when it works, you have to live with these types of decisions. Like the, going away from it when it matters is how you become Brandon Staley, right? And you, you, you never really bought into the concept in the first place. Um, but I think they have done well by going for it on those fourth downs. And it's not like they didn't do it at all in this game, right? Before halftime. They could have been aggressive and they could have tried to get a touchdown just before the half and they settled for the field goal on fourth and three uh, from the three, like fourth and goal from the three-yard line. They could have gone for it again. They could have gone all or nothing. Let's get another touchdown. Let's really drop the hammer on them. And instead, they settled for that field goal. So it's not like they never did it. And to be honest, you know, you can look at this and say, okay, the way the game went, three points would have been huge, obviously, given the end score. Also, given the way the second half was going, you're like, we really need to get a score, like get a touchdown going because this thing is getting away from us. It was uh, an unexpected change in the game for the Lions. And is, uh, is 2024 bringing exciting or unexpected changes to your life, Sam? Certainly if you're a Lions fan. Here's a secret weapon to help you face those challenges with more confidence. It's a great term, life insurance policy. Yes, that's right. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future so you can focus on what's ahead, knowing your family is protected if something else unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect your family. 
Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meatfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting health questions. So that, I mean, that one fourth down drop was a huge, mm-hmm. a huge part in the game. Um, there was a point, so we always have this momentum debate, right? Like clearly this changed the course of the game for the Niners. I also want to say, here's the deal. The, the fourth down models and, and all that, it's a win probability model, and it usually says here's how you would increase your win probability. When those decisions fail, you usually decrease your win probability more than you would have if you kicked the field goal. I know this is like a Captain Obvious right. type of thing here. So everything that's, which that is, goes – Which is baked into the you know the headline figure of go, no go. Like right. That, that chance right. is in there. It's not like – that every that changes everything. I forget what the percentages were, but if the, if it before it said if you if you make this right. you're at eighty percent, and if you kick the field goal you'll be at seventy eight percent, but if you don't get it you'll be at seventy six percent or whatever. That's how it usually goes, right? And if you don't get it, so clearly, when the fourth downs fail, they do have a bigger effect yeah. on your team. They do give the other team a better chance to win, and that is what happened with Detroit. They had two fourth down failures. Um, this particular one when it was 24 to 10 and another one when they were what down um, down three when they were down three at their own 30 at, at the 30s they could could have kicked a 47 yard field goal um, but again I don't think that I mean just to like tie it up I mean the Niners still came back and scored right. another touchdown so they're trying to the Lions are trying to maximize points yeah they are and they needed to I mean this was a game I think where they did need okay you could look at the final score and say you know it was a three-point game therefore the field goal was important. The field goal was the difference. But this was a game, they, at one point, the 49ers had, what, 27 unanswered points? They had scored on their first five possessions of the second half. Like, this game was really running away from Detroit. And this is how they've been ahead all the way through the season. Like, I have no problem, I don't think, with Dan Campbell going for the fourth downs. I think, look, one of them they, they should have had, right? They got it into the hands of the receiver. Okay, it was a little bit off target. It was under pressure, but he got it there. Receivers got to catch that. They had another drive on third and down, or third and 10, rather, a first down catch. Reynolds drops it again. Like, you're going to need those plays if you're going to win a game like that. So, you know, could you have used the three points? Sure, but you could also could have used guy catching the ball that's put in his hands to keep a drive going. Uh, if you go back to the preview show, we talked about how the Lions probably need to stay aggressive because, I, I mean, yeah. personally, I don't trust their defense. And as great as their defense played really well early on, they did some nice job. They did a nice job, uh, you know, slowing down this Niners rushing attack, slowing down Brock Purdy and all those playmakers. But the reality is that defense should not have that much success against the Niners. And that ended up becoming the case over time. So the, the Lions stayed aggressive and they said, yeah, even if we're up two scores. We're going to stay aggressive because we need to maximize points. Right. Remember, they were a seven and a half point underdog going into this game. So even though they went up to a big lead, you know, they, they scored 14 nothing, and then it was, uh, what, 21 um, 7. When they got up to a big lead, they still treated this like they were the underdogs. They didn't shift everything and say, no, we've got to get. I mean, the opposite of that is what people criticize Shanahan for, right? Is we get too conservative, we tighten up, and then, yeah. it, like, you have to pick one. You can't, you can't look at this and say simply by results, this was the wrong process. You either accept the process or you don't. If you applaud this as a process and say, 
being aggressive, being, um, you know, trying to maximize those scores, trying to get touchdowns instead of field goals. If that's the right way of doing it, sometimes it's not going to work and you're going to lose because of it. And I, I thought that the way the Lions played, and, and look, when you dial up trick plays, it doesn't mean that they're all going to work. Some of them work for just five yards. Right. Some of them actually create big plays. But the Lions had that strategy as well, right? Their first touchdown is a 42-yard end around to Jamison Williams. What an incredible effort by Jamison Williams. Some of the plays, and he ended up having the touchdown to get them within three later. He had another incredible catch where he dropped it and then ended up still uh, coming away with it. Jamison Williams with some huge plays in this game. But my point is, like, the Lions had flea flickers and end arounds. Like, they had those plays dialed up because they knew, hey, we need to we need to maximize right. points. They played the game like they were a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, and they simply didn't change that strategy when they were up big or up big and the big, like, the score was diminishing as the second half went on. And, okay, you can criticize them for that, and people have already and they will continue for the next day or two, particularly on the shouty shows. But I, I don't really have a problem with it. I think... That's how you win a game like this. And okay, they didn't get it done, but was Dan Campbell not kicking a field goal the reason they lost? Or was it, you know, Jameer Gibbs fumbling the ball away? Or was it the defense failing to stop them for basically the entirety of the second half? Was it Jared Goff unearthing some sort of weird, like just total missed throw when they had a, a, a fake or a trick play dialed up and he just mi like underthrew the thing by a mile, just didn't come out of his hand right? Like, each one of these plays, you can start to look at and say it's a three-point game. Any one of those probably changes it back to Detroit's favor. And one of the ways that they lost the game was Dan Campbell being aggressive and not getting the result. Yeah, so I'm gonna let's bounce around here. When it was 24 to 10, you got the drop by Josh Reynolds. It did seem like, well, the Niners' offense came to life. How did that happen? Brock Purdy with an overthrow, Kendall Vildor goes off of his helmet, and Brandon Ayuk catches the ball off Vildor's helmet yeah for like a 58 yarder a deep shot um it's kind of there's contact there Vildor has position it's it's going over Ayuk's head it ends up as he said he sort of pushes off a little bit dives to try and catch it is late doing that it, it smacks him right in the face and just bounces right up into Ayuk's hands who makes a spectacular catch out of it and um and ends up getting like probably the biggest play of the game from a 49ers offense point of view they they ruled him down by contact and they end up punching it in a few plays later but that was a huge swing in the game i mean so that was when it, it, again it was 24 to 10 and I, I remember we you and i showed up at the office at, at about halftime right and sat there and started talking i was like i was not expecting a blowout i was not expecting the lions to dominate this game the way that they had yeah let's so let's give them credit for the first half for a second like that was such an impressive half of football they were winning every collision they were making all the big plays they had gotten all the momentum for whatever you think of that term early in the game there was one play where there was a sam laporta pass over the middle laporta connects with greenlaw i mean greenlaw comes in and hits him and comes off worse like laporta basically ran him over Greenlaw gets a stinger, leaves the game. Um, then there was, uh, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson clocks Debo Samuel after the Brock Purdy interception. Those two have been going back and forth earlier in the season. But I forget what they had exactly in the first half, but they were over 140-something yards, rushing yards by the Lions, which is the most a Kyle Shanahan uh, or a Kyle Shanahan team has ever 
given up in a half of football. Like, they absolutely dominated that first half. With the drive just before halftime, the Lions ran on third and 12, picked it up. They also converted a third and 18. Um, Goff just missed a touchdown before that half. They end up settling for a field goal, but it still felt like everything in the first half was Detroit. The third and 18, like uh, Amonra St. Brown just looked like he was uncoverable. Yeah, everything and had gone their way. Was, and then when he was covered and he needed three more yards to pick up the first down, he would just you know run through the Niners' defense to get three, yeah. to get what he needed. Um, Jameer Gibbs has his 15-yard touchdown run. There was a point, yes, where the Lions ever averaged, it had the 42-yarder there for Jameson Williams, but averaging over 10 yards a carry on their first 10 or 12 yeah. carries. The Gibbs, uh, he had a really nice touchdown run, the one to put them up 21-7. He beat, like, he had two guys that he made miss. One of them was Fred Warner, I think. There was a third guy that it wasn't even a missed tackle. He just, like, put on a quick burst of acceleration between the two missed tackles that he forced to get in. Like, incredible uh, touchdown by him. They the were speed. so good in the first half. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. It's unlike me no. to interrupt yeah. you like that. I'm sorry. Um, Gibbs' speed was legit a couple times. Yeah. Like there were plays where you're watching when our normal broadcast angle, you're like, he's done. He's this is a two yard play, and he turned it into ten, or that particular touchdown turned it into fifteen. Um, I was ready to draft the next speedy running back in the top ten. I was like, ready to go. Right. I mean, but like Gibbs. They were everything was cooking for the Lions, and it is worth remembering, like the stuff that Greg Olson was bringing up, the fact that they are willing to run the ball on third and twelve against light, you know, five man boxes because everyone's expecting pass because they know if they get to fourth and three, they're happy to go for it. Like you can't disconnect that from oh, it's it's a three point game at the end, so we should have taken a field goal. Like this is part of the same strategy. Their third down offense is different to most teams in the NFL because they are willing to go for it on those fourth down plays and they get a lot of them, right? You can't then ignore that and roll it back and say, yeah, but this time they should have changed. So, yeah, I mean, I, my takeaway from the Lions first half and into the second half, you know, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is, uh, is it being reported that he's very close to being the Washington Commanders' new head coach? Yes, it has been be. reported in several places that it's basically done, but they haven't announced it yet. On the broadcast, they were basically saying he's he's gone. Okay, so I mean this, I, I just, first off, I, f I really feel for Lions fans generally in a, in a game like this where you're going to look back to, you know, some drops and decisions and, you know, the what-ifs and just the fandom aspect of it. I really feel for Lions fans. They remain the only franchise that has played every year of the Super Bowl era and has not made a Super Bowl. That was ways. That's the way they that contrive the stat. <laughs> CBS, I think, dropped that. I think. I think it was before the Fox game. But CBS, yeah. So I was like, they said that. I was like, hang on, that doesn't make sense. The Browns have been around that long. And yeah. Then, oh yeah, they they had those when they became the Ravens. You know, <laughs> the Browns disappeared for a few years. Yeah. Um, but the point I wanted to make was like, just an unbelievable job of seeing the personnel that the Lions have added over the last few years. Amon Ra. Uh, Laporta, their offensive line, Gibbs and Montgomery in the backfield, and the way they use them, right? When you talk about a team's identity, and I've used the uh, exotic smash mouth, I've used that phrase a few times when you're watching that run game, it's just an unbelievable mix of good play calling that plays to the strengths of their team. And so I'm just, like, that was going to be my big takeaway. I'm like, man, the Lions, like, when I was going to say the Lions are going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> what an incredible mix of the talent that they've added in the play calling and what they've been able to execute. Yeah, look, big picture, this has still been a hugely successful season for the Detroit Lions. Um, they made the NFC Championship game. That was not 
expected. They were supposed to be a playoff team and maybe they could win a game or to get to where they got to was impressive. They to get as close as they got to knocking off the 49ers as a seven and a half point underdog was impressive as well. And it, it's good for the future because so many of their important players have been either rookies or second year players, you know, young guys, right? Jameer Gibbs, as we talked about, had a huge touchdown for them. Um, Jamison Williams, who kudos to them for not completely losing faith in him. Remember, we were saying when they they brought in uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and, you know, Khalif Raymond had been there. You're like, it's impossible not to see that as some kind of indictment in Jamison Williams, who had had drops earlier in the season and, you know, hadn't been a big part of the offense and had a suspension, all this kind of stuff. They stuck with him and he's made a lot of big plays in the last few weeks. Um, His speed, his ability clearly still translates. Uh, You know, Jared Goff has had an amazing season. I think a career year for him. Oh, there's so many young players that have made big impacts to this defense or to this team. Aiden Hutchinson, obviously on defense. There's a lot to be encouraged about from a, a Detroit Lions point of view. And then ultimately, you know, they lost the game for a variety of different reasons. Individual plays, Dan Campbell choosing to go for it on the fourth down. Oh, I mean, but maybe the biggest one is, you know, the defense after playing really well in the first half ceased to play really well for the second half and ultimately the 49ers still put up over 400 yards of offense and they couldn't stop them when they needed to the most yeah i want i want to get this from the niners point of view and you know the jameer gibbs fumble was huge obviously so it was 24 to 10 niners score lions come back they're still up seven jameer gibbs fumbles in their you know in lions territory and the niners again come right back and score christian mccaffrey to uh Touchdown two out of three, I believe it was. And he screwed up the Gibbs thing. He screwed up twice in the same play. Like he went yeah. the wrong side on a, a trap run and then fumbled the ball after the run was kind of botched and it didn't. It was a mess because Goff, Goff had to sort of get in his way to give him the handoff and the whole timing was messed up. But it wasn't, it wasn't one of those ones where you see sometimes where the running back's in the wrong place. The handoff gets messed up because of that and he never really has it. You know what I mean? And it's right. a fumble like from the beginning. He had it. I mean, he had the ball. It was He was carrying it normally in his right hand and then fumbled it away. Terrible play from him. You know, he, on the one hand, he gets the amazing touchdown earlier in the game, but that screw-up and fumble was obviously a huge turning point in the game as well. All right, I want to recap quickly our, uh, our prize picks lineup for the week. Cool. Um, our cool. guy, Eli, we had Christian McCaffrey going more than a half rushing yard. He Got did it. do that. He did that. Great. Travis Kelsey, more than 39 and a half receiving yards. Got Check. It. Uh, Amon St. Brown, oh, uh, more than 59 and a half receiving yards. Where did he end up? Uh, Amon St. Brown had 87. Had to be more. Yep. Um, and then, but we we were we tried to go more than 37 and a half rushing yards for Gus Edwards. The Ravens screwed us. The Ravens screwed us. And we'll talk about that. We still have you know a couple hours left on the show oh, to yeah. talk about the Ravens. Um, but Gus Edwards does not go more than 37 and a half rushing yards. So we came close to getting all four. So prize picks, it is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. If you want to play alongside some of prize picks, favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so the entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you're a player, you have a player who exits in the first half, doesn't return in the second half, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So that's all you got to do. Go to prizepix.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL. Get a first deposit match up to 100 
Again, prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL. Get yourself a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy over at Prize Picks. Um, so, yeah, the, the Gibbs fumble lets the Niners back in. Now, from a Niners perspective, their defense, man, their defense is, um, you know, the name talent on the defensive line, you know, maybe the best linebacker core in the NFL, right up there with the Ravens, you'd say, right, with uh, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. And they've had these bouts, particularly over the last couple of weeks, where they just couldn't stop anything, couldn't stop the run, uh, big plays in the passing game. And that was what was happening, the third and 18 pass conversion that you mentioned. Uh, being run all over by the Lions. But the Niners' defense did crack down much better in the second half. Um, and then offensively, I mean, Brock Purdy making plays outside of structure. I mean, the, the number of times that he had to either – he had a great scramble in the fourth quarter to put them into position for their uh, the, the final touchdown and just, you know, scrambling to throw as well. Purdy with um, some incredible plays down the stretch. He did it again. Maybe he is Joe Montana. Maybe every Brock Purdy clutch game is going to be after throwing a couple of bad plays early in the game and digging them out of a hole. Maybe he actually is the next Joe Montana. I'm t- I mean, there's something to that. I mean, there is something to the ability to play your best when, you know, when it's on the line and, or, or in a game when you weren't great early on. You know, the, the ability to bounce back from that and not let things snowball. Now, again, there's luck involved. We talk, there's 50, he ends up with 8.6 yards per attempt. The 51-yarder to Brandon Ayuk, again, right. completely lucky, right? That was the biggest play of the game, right? They didn't have anything else over 28. Um, so there's luck involved there, too. But the man was creating outside of structure quite a bit in this game. Yeah. No, he made a bunch of big plays. It's, and it's another thing. It's like last week, right? Like, last week, was he Joe Montana or did Joe Barry's defense get weak again at the critical time, which it's done all the way through the season? And it's like, well, it's probably a bit of both. And this was... Again, we'll get to this with the Chiefs game, but the Chiefs had kind of rediscovered their offense facing a team that didn't have any edge rushers and then a team that didn't have any linebackers, right? Is that real or does it stay there when they run up against one of the best defenses in the NFL in Baltimore? We're doing the same thing with Brock Purdy. Like it happened again, but the Lions have also had a bad defense for most of the season. So it's probably a bit of both. And maybe you're going to need, you know, that kind of luck or just the opposition to be right for those kinds of things. But ultimately... For the purposes of like this game and they're in a Super Bowl now, it doesn't matter. Brock Purdy played well when it mattered the most, whether or not he was afforded that opportunity because the Lions aren't very good on defense doesn't is kind of irrelevant. The point is the quarterback came good when they needed him and he did bail them out with some big plays late in the game. In addition to getting, you know, the luck of the ball yeah. pinging off a DB's face right into the hands of his receiver and at the other at the end of the day it's the same old Niners where you have those uh, you know just like we're talking about um, St. Brown's place where he's running through Niners defenders you have Debo Samuel pretty much looking like Debo Samuel with his shoulder injury four of his catches four of his eight catches go for first downs he was huge after the catch again Ayuk found the end zone on his one plus the 51 yarder um, Kyle Juszczyk was on the receiving end of two of those scramble drill plays by Brock Purdy uh, George Kittle with a couple catches, and then Christian McCaffrey running the ball, and what the Niners were able to do with McCaffrey out of the backfield and uh, running the ball—that you know—they have to rely on all those playmakers. So, so that's the thing, right? The Shanahan narrative—you you were waiting for this, right? You were waiting for them to be yeah. down ten. So, talk about that. That's my interview well, okay. question. So talk last, about being down ten. The last two weeks, I think, have been important psychologically for the 49ers because they have not previous to this 
done this before. They haven't dug themselves out of a big hole that they've been in before. And we sort of speculated that's the only way of really beating this team is to get ahead of them early, force them out of their usual front-running game plan, and make them play a different game. And Baltimore was able to do that to them early in the season, absolutely stomped on them. They were never able to execute any kind of comeback. The last week where they finally got their, you know, 1-30 and now in coming back from five points, entering the fourth quarter, whatever. There's and not, then, they were tied going into the fourth, I think. Doesn't, yeah, it so doesn't this game, change your stats. Last week. Does. Last week, yeah. This yeah week they get the one, sorry. And then this week where they're just down in a huge hole from the yeah. first half, These those were two big comebacks against, you know, good playoff teams, albeit flawed ones. And that's important for them psychologically. Again, whether it was because of the defense, it doesn't really matter. For their purposes – they got wins in situations that they haven't previously got wins against. And if in the Super Bowl, you know, if Kansas City, if Patrick Mahomes looks unstoppable and they're in a 10-point hole, they probably believe more now than they would have two weeks ago when they'd never done it before. I mean, yeah. I mean, what I tried to – the, the thing I tried to argue against a couple of weeks ago and this kept being brought up was like the very specific stat of the Shanahan teams being down eight going into the fourth quarter. We still haven't had a win like that, though, right? So that's still, that, that stat still holds. And my point back then was, if you're going to use this stat, which is real, right, and, and project that forward and say, well, the Kyle Shanahan offense just can't come back. They don't know how to make comebacks, right? It's just a very specific situation. They've made three-point comebacks. They've made other comebacks. They've maybe not entered the fourth quarter with a deficit, but had fourth quarter deficits and still made comebacks. So that was like my point back then was like, let's not – overrate this one particular stat but I think your point is fair that hey they were down three scores they were down two touchdowns in the second half and hey they needed a fumble recovery they needed to have a Jameer Gibbs fumble they needed some of that right like at some point in the like any game like this where you're down big you're probably going to need a play to break in your direction for you to get back in that particularly a game where you know both teams are going to score more than 30 you're going to need a way of getting the possession back that isn't, you know, just getting a stop. But I, I think the important part is when the game flow changes a little bit, right? They had to, uh, they had to be a pass-first offense last week yeah. in, uh, in the come-from-behind opportunity against the Packers. In this game, there was probably there was points where they probably had to get away from the run game until they got into the red zone with McCaffrey. Um, McCaffrey only had two touchdowns, by the way, not three. Earl um, uh, Mitchell had one, Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Um, not Earl. So... Yeah, I mean, that's that's the story here, I think, is, hey, they showed that they're not just front runners, that they don't just need to, you know, run their uh, game plan oriented offense, that they can, you know, come from behind. You get some of those uh, those plays that, that break your way, but they they showed that they could do that. And I think that was huge. And I think Purdy is a big part of that. I do think the the demeanor that he brings to the table does help in that whole situation for the Niners. And again, for a young quarterback, you know, getting those two wins under his belt. Like, Brock Purdy isn't sitting there going, you know, for the last two weeks, I mean, yeah, like, I'm thankful it was the the Packers and the Lions defense. Otherwise, there's no way I'd have made that comeback. Like, in Brock Purdy's head, he's just like, yeah, they weren't great games, but we got the win at the end. Like, I can do this, you know? He's, He's getting confidence from those two games. And I think confidence is a powerful and important thing for this team going up against Kansas City, who we will you know, discuss later, are seemingly inevitable in the playoffs in the postseason. Yeah, you're going to have to probably play a little cleaner in that game. Um, so in the end, I mean, the Niners end up with 34 points. And there was, there was the short field in there for one of them. 
but they really started moving the ball in the second half. And so the Lions defense and their inability, I, look, at the end of the day, the Lions defense felt like, oh, it's going to be tough. If they make it to the Super Bowl against Kansas City, it's going to be tough, right, to be able to put a full game together. There are some holes on that defense. And I just think that was a big part of the whole second half collapse. Yeah, there was drops, the fourth down decisions and all that, but the defense not being able to make any stops whatsoever. Um, also a, a huge part of this because the Niners end up with 34 points after really scuffling in the first half. And they got, you know, Purdy had that interception as well. That was, a, that was how the Lions got up three scores. What are you laughing at over there? I just, I hadn't put it together until now that, remember there was a story ages ago, I think reasonably early into Dan Campbell's, no, it was like last year or something, where he was on, he was on part of my take and it, it became clear that he had tried to get a real life lion reinstalled as their mascot. And everyone was like, Dan Campbell's crazy. And then in this game, they showed that in 1983, the Lions had a real-life Lion mascot on the sideline for the last time they played the 49ers in the playoffs or whatever that game was. So he was like harking back to something that used to be done. Dan Campbell just wanted to go old school and bring the Lion back. Crazy as that is. I didn't know that the Lions played in, in 83. I mean, I didn't know they had a real-life Lion I mean, on, the, like, on the sideline. I knew they played that season because they played in every year of the Correct. Super Bowl era. Yeah. But that they lost in the playoffs to the, uh, to the 49ers there. I do think it's kind of funny that, you know, in this day and age of, like, warning labels and everything, you know, don't eat batteries, don't, you know, hair dry yourself in the bath and whatever. In 1983, everyone was cool with in a 70,000-seater stadium or whatever of screaming people just have a real-life lion with, like, a flimsy chain around its neck. That can't go wrong. There's no problem there. Cool with that. Um, just because I, I like to scour Twitter while I'm, I'm on here. You know, no, of you know, course. Ben Baldwin has a tweet out there about the the biggest plays in this game by win probability added. Okay, um, and, and it's it's interesting when you look at it because some of them are first down plays, some of them are first quarter plays, some of them are the fourth yeah, fourth down plays that we're talking about, right? So you've got the Jameer Gibbs fumble is the biggest one. Yeah, um, the second biggest one is Jared Goff throwing incomplete on fourth and three to uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. That was the second failed fourth down, not a drop, but just fell incomplete by a mile. Um, the third biggest play was Jamison Williams end around for 42 yards because it's a 42-yard touchdown when you're not expected to score it. Mm -hmm. um, you got Brock Purdy to Brandon Ayuk for the 51-yarder off the helmet. Of course, that's a huge one. And then um, Jake Moody's missed field goal early in the game, which is another interesting one, right? Because the, the night, what was that, fourth and what? Do you remember the nah. missed field goal? But, I mean, that was like, hey, you know, just kick a field goal. It's probably fourth and three, fourth and four. And that ended up being um, a pretty big mess of 48-yard field goal. But also, by the way, let's remember that as a thing, like this whole just take the points. What right. if the guy missed the field goal? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's baked into the decision. Right. I just, I just want to highlight that, like, yes, when you fail, it is worse than had you kicked the field goal, right? You are inherently making a, I don't want to use the word riskier decision, but the win probability swings are wider, I would say, with those fourth down decisions. But the but the upside is higher, right? And that's and that's where that's where the bottom line is. Mm -hmm. Anything else about this game? Uh, Congrats to the Niners and 49ers fans, Lions fans. Man, it is it is tough. It, it's tough to just. I I know that there's a lot of fans online. We get stuck in just like you either win or you don't. And so there's 31 failures out there every single year. 
there's some other fans that I follow or, you know, interact with who I appreciate. They kind of like enjoy the journey and not, not a lot of fans can relate to that. Right. Like there are some bills fans out there who are like, oh, I mean, we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun this year, you know, even though it didn't end up where we wanted. And I hope that lions fans can at least look at this year and be like, man, this was fun. We're seeing our team. I, I don't know if you're going to be back. I don't know. You know, it's a challenge to get through all these hurdles to get your home game, um, to get to the NFC Championship, to even get a lead in the NFC Championship. But hope you're enjoying the ride and the entertainment value that the Lions have brought this year because it's been unbelievable to watch them build this squad and be this good this quickly within three years of going from number two overall pick to top four team in the NFL and just a couple couple plays away from playing in the Super Bowl. I was just looking at the distances of those fourth down attempts rather than the just take the field goal attempt. Um, 43 and 45 yards, I think they would have been. Yeah. I mean, they're probably going to be hit. But sure. I mean, you should make them, but they're those 90% are not. percent hit rate. But they're not gimmies. Yeah. Like, it's not just, uh, let's just chalk up the three points and move on. Like It would have felt way worse if they missed it than if you missed the fourth down yes. attempt, right? Because you don't have the same payout. Right. The other interesting thing about models, though, too, that they – I don't know how baked in it is. I think a lot of the models say, here's the win probability, like, if you convert, right? If you get three on fourth and three. And a lot of times the payout was like Lamar Jackson earlier today. They go for it on fourth and one, and he picks up 40 or whatever it was. Sometimes the payout's even greater than you anticipated. I think it's, it's somewhat baked in, but sometimes you get even more than you, than you banked for, you know? And so – just not, just not this time. It's the, the problem, like, my, pro- my only problem with it as a concept is that's the thing everyone's going to focus on, right? The shouty shows, anyone with an axe to grind over analytics, that's what tomorrow is going to be about. It's going to be Dan Campbell didn't kick points, even though the points, it's not like they were guaranteed. He didn't kick a 43 and a 45-yard field goal attempt to try and stay what would have turned out to be the, the three points he needed to stay tied in the game. But as you just discussed, like the biggest win probability plays in the game were not necessarily those ones. They were other plays. They were the turnover. They were, you know, yeah. plays like that. Like it's not, I don't think it's what should get 100% of your focus. They were one of a number of different ways that this game got away from Detroit. Like anytime you look at the lead they had and the way the, the game ends up being, one play didn't do it, right? Every, a lot of things turned what was a like a beatdown, as you were saying the lions were destroying the 49ers in the first half a lot of things had to swing against them for it to go from a destruction in their favor to a game they ultimately lost it wasn't just dan campbell decided not to kick a 43 yard attempt um so congrats to the niners i mean i, I think they needed a full team effort the, the defense stepped it up in the second half when they needed to um i still think they've they've got some holes that they need to figure out going sure. into this game against the chiefs and then offensively, I mean, again, Purdy's going to have to play a cleaner game start to finish, I believe. I mean, look, if he if, if it's a close game and he pulls one out in the fourth quarter, again, or, yeah, fine. Or just be Joe Montana. Every but um, they probably have to play a cleaner game because the Chiefs are just playing really clean football right now. Um, and they're going to need everyone, last one of those playmakers, Debo, Ayuk, uh, McCaffrey, Kittle, Juszczyk, whoever it is. They're going to have to um, I mean, use all of them. The last genuinely good game that Purdy played was like – week 17 against the commanders yeah and then just before that he had the ravens game which wasn't as bad as it looked but was certainly probably his worst game of the season um like purdy hasn't had a good run for a while 
All right, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Chiefs Ravens in a second, but I got to tell you about uh, AG One, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that support, supports whole body health. We drink it every day here on the PFF NFL podcast. Love having AG One to kick things off in the morning. Sometimes I, maybe I'll have it at night, right here before the podcast. A little extra kick leading into the late night podcast. But I usually I drink it in the morning with my co- with my caffeine, with my coffee. Makes me feel great, ready to take on the day. Gives me the nutrients I need. Because um, I'm not always getting that from my diet. I love the 75 high-quality ingredients that give me all the key daily nutrients to support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. So it's all about optimizing whole body health like a professional athlete, Sam, like I used to be. They like to drink AG1 because they take care of their body. And that's that micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take, take great care of their health every single day. So cover those nutritional bases every morning for less than $3 a day. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients, a win-win for all of us here on the PFF NFL Podcast. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com PFF. That's drinkag1.com PFF. Go check it out right now. I didn't, um, I haven't narrowed this down to 43 and 45, but Michael Badgley for his career is only a 76.5% between 40 and 50 yards. Take the points. Remember, Michael Badgley, who nicknamed himself the Money Badger, has been decidedly not money for extensive periods of his NFL career. And this is the guy we are screaming at. You need to let him kick the points. You got to let him you gotta you know, take the points. I ju- it's not the guarantee I think people expected it to be. I think it's people also, are being too harsh on Dan Campbell. It's also not as simple as they lost by three and you didn't kick a field goal, therefore. You know, of you, course. You didn't kick two field goals, right. therefore. You know. I mean, even at the end of the game, when they were down 10, imagine if they didn't, they, they go for it on fourth down instead of just taking the field goal before they um, kicked the onside kick. Imagine if they had not converted that, they would have lost by 10. Another instance, by the way, yeah, where they did exactly what people are saying and they took the points. They did increase their win probability, but like it was such a long shot at that point. It didn't matter if they were down 10 or down three. Right. If but, you didn't get the onside kick, the game's pretty much over anyway. Right, but in two instances, they actually did take the points rather than continue to bludgeon themselves. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, they did. I'm just saying at the very end of the game, they went for the fourth down and they got it. Right. And they only lost by three. Um, all right, let's go to the AFC Championship. Started at three. We had to work backwards because, you know, that's what everybody just saw. Um, but Kansas City Chiefs, 17. Baltimore Ravens, 10. The Chiefs are off to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. Four times in six years with Patrick Mahomes as starting quarterback. And it started right away, man. Like the Chiefs just, they have this calm about them in the playoffs. And they came out, and and, when you think about it, they scored, they had two drives. They scored seven on both, right? Two touchdowns. First drive, 10 plays, 86 yards. The next drive, 16 plays, 75 yards, right? They were back-to-back drives to kick things off, right? 14 points. And, And then they even had so, you know a failed fourth down in there like they they were moving the ball at will the all that said like the ravens did have opportunities their defense did eventually crack down a little bit slowed down the chiefs offense but it was just too little too late in the chiefs defense man another great game from them as a unit yeah both defenses i think played really well um baltimore's as he said they they had a bit of a shock right out of the gate but overall i think they did play extremely well uh patrick mahomes the chiefs offense was so good on third down in particular. Um, but yeah, both defenses were spectacular. And when, you to- when you're talking about 
So sometimes you sort of hear these teams talked about in, in abstractions of, well, this team has been there before, talking about a playoff game like in 2018 or whatever. You're like, how many people were playing in that 2018 game that are still on this team? Like, this, that's not the same thing. But the Chiefs have literally every year with Mahomes, like the baseline is the AFC championship game. This team has been there before, and most years, in fact. So, I, I mean, I said it from the beginning. Two teams were playing with a weight of history in different directions this playoffs. There's Dallas, who is expecting it to go wrong the second anything goes wrong. And there's Kansas City, where it doesn't matter what goes wrong, the Chiefs are like, it's fine. Yeah. Mahomes and Kelsey are unstoppable in the postseason. And in this game, you know, Kelsey went past Jerry Rice for every stat, having gone past Gronk for, you know, the most touchdown connections the week before. Mahomes to Kelsey are inevitable and unstoppable, and they know that. And now they're just like, eh, it doesn't matter. Sure, it's Baltimore this time, but it's the same difference. We're going to win anyway. In the Chiefs, I mean, look, when the, when the Chiefs won it in 2019, I mean, we were doing a lot of um, quick-hitting content at the time at PFF. And I remember a lot of quick-hitting content where we all said, well, how many, how many rings are the Chiefs going to win? How many rings will Mahomes and Reed get? And we're all saying like three, six, five, whatever the number was at the time, right? We're all giving our answer because they felt inevitable then. And, you know, then they lost a Super Bowl, then they lost in the AFC Championship, and then they trade Tyreek Hill, and they still win it last year without Tyreek Hill. And then this year, they, they're they in the Super Bowl again in a year that was very uncomfortable for Chiefs fans, right? The offense was they, – they had a stretch where they were 3-5. and five. The offense was very inconsistent. They were dropping passes left and right. Mahomes had the worst statistical year of his career. But here they are still in the Super Bowl. And those are the type of things – those are the types of – like the Patriots in 2018 – had a similar type of season, right? They had, uh, they lost on the number one seed on the Miami Miracle. Uh, Brady was not having his best season. They were pivoting the offense to a run first offense. It was like, oh, they're in transition. The dynasty's over and the Patriots just go and win the Super Bowl in a year that wasn't their best. Right. And that's where the Chiefs are right now. And I know this is the best defense of the Mahomes era, but it's the worst offense of the Mahomes era. But once the playoffs started, the team that would have I know they had some holding penalties today, but the team that would have drops, key penalties, they were the, they were the offense where we said one guy screws it up on every play for much of the season, Yeah, right? Great throw, drop. Uh, you know, whatever. Bad throw when guy's wide, wide open. Another time, nobody's open and there's a holding. Whatever it was, one guy screws up every single play. And now they're not. They're not screwing it up. Like, they just got to the playoffs. They're like, we're going to play clean football, and we're going to feature our stars, and we're the Chiefs. Yeah, it, it's kind of fascinating how they treated that whole thing because if you look at – I mean, it was everybody. It's not It's not fair to, to limit it to one person early in the season. I mean, Travis Kelsey was dropping passes that he doesn't drop. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was dropping passes that he does drop. Um, Kadarius Tony was doing everything wrong because it's Kadarius Tony, But – all the way through that, Mahomes kind of steadfastly stuck by, stuck by his guys, stood by his guys, um, even to the point where he was sounding ridiculous. You know, he's like, yeah, that, that I could have made that throw slightly better. You know, the one that hit Valis Scantling like in the face, that's on me. I could have led him a bit further. I could have put it right in his hands, you know, 50 yards away. That, that's my fault. It's my bad. And, you know, they kept st sticking with those guys. And I think you're seeing why. Like, Kelsey has been back. He's turned into playoff Travis Kelsey, and he's just he looks exactly the same as he's always looked in his career. Valdez Scantling has come up huge in the playoffs and made several big plays and got the one you know right at the end of this game where they they took a shot on third down to to get the the win. Essentially, he trusted Valdez Scantling on that play. 
right? Not a lot of other people would have well, said that's a good idea. And then the other thing yeah. they've done is maybe the one guy that was like a consistent thing, Kadarius Tony, has just been sat the hell down. And <laughs> he would not show up. In the, no, he did have he had a nice Super Bowl last year. Right. Time, but and, yeah. and Kadarius Tony, it was listed as like he's out from this game with. I forget, it was like an ankle injury and personal reasons. And he's come out and saying, like, I'm fine. So they've Andy sat Reed's him down. personal reasons. Right. I mean, they have said, look, we trust the other guys. We don't trust Kadarius Tony, And we're going to solve the whole problem by trusting everybody and removing the one that we don't trust. And it's worked. Yeah. I mean, there's um, – and it's – look, Mahomes deserves a ton of credit because he is, like, just locked in. You mentioned how well he takes care of the ball. And he did that again in this game. There's just no negative plays. He ends up getting sacked twice, but they were a little bit later in the game. Early in, uh, And look early at what the, it took to get him down on no, some of those plays. Like yeah. that one where he kind of spun around, was like kneeing on the dude trying to tackle him and still looked like he got out of it. And Ridiculous. then eventually got taken down and by you, a couple of people. And you know what you're getting into. Like, you know, if you get close, you can't just tackle him like any other quarterback. I, I feel like we're at a special time of quarterbacks being um, really good at avoiding sacks you have Brock Purdy doing it Lamar Jackson had the incredible one in this game yeah. um, but finishing plays is very difficult maybe that's maybe we are underrating sacks because it's difficult to tackle them now these were the first sacks that Mahomes had had in the playoffs since last year's AFC championship game yeah that's crazy yeah um, so like I, I said a, a couple shows ago I mean there were some spectacular plays in this there's the one where he's you know falling down and he throws it up to Kelsey and puts it in a perfect spot I mean those those plays are real but I think the the superpower is the lack of negatives. Yeah. Because in the first half he had you know only two or three completions. They were throwaways, right? It was just things weren't there, and um, he doesn't he he doesn't miss a ton of throws. He's not all over the place from an accuracy standpoint. I think he pr he probably creates some of the open throws with his movement and everything. But he's Drew Brees like in like the lack of mistakes, and then you add the highlight reel plays as well. And that's what makes the whole thing special. Because Josh Allen's got the highlight reel. A lot of guys have highlight reel plays, but Mahomes is so good at avoiding negatives, whether it's sacks, whether it's missed throws, or turnover-worthy plays. Yeah. I don't think Mahomes, in a weird way, like normally you come out of a Chiefs game and everything is Mahomes, right? I don't think he's going to get enough credit coming out of this game because the focus is rightly on the defense and what a good job they did. But And because the Chiefs didn't score a lot, it's going to be, ah, Mahomes didn't do anything in this game. Um, I, know, I think he'll get. I think he was getting credit all along the way. You were watching. That's because Tony Romo was on commentary. That's not a real barometer of human at, beings. At the same time, I, I didn't check. I mean, they, they, there was a point in the second half where they had like seventy yards, and the Ravens had right. two hundred. And then until the thirty-two yarder to Valdez Scantling to seal it. But even that play, the third downs that you mentioned, yes, they did a good job. The Chiefs on, on of, third down. Mahomes was 10 of 14 for 113 yards. It's 8.1 yards per attempt. He had another rushing first down in there as well off uh, scramble. Like, he kept the ball moving on the most critical plays. Baltimore's defense was doing an incredible job on the Chiefs' offense, but there were several times where they just couldn't get on the field because Mahomes kept making a play, kept finding a way of getting that drive going and keeping it alive. Um, so just to back up a little bit, early on in the game, the Chiefs come out. They have that that quick drive, touchdown, Mahomes to Kelsey on the back shoulder. Um, and then the, Raven, the Ravens had gone three and out. Um, but they come back, Lamar Jackson to Zay Flowers, again, on the scramble drill, 54-yard touchdown behind uh, – it wasn't 54, it was the – I'm looking at his long. It was a 30-yard touchdown behind the defense. And it was like, all right, we're in shootout territory here. Now Lamar is saying – you know, it kind of broke the ice. Um, 
because what you mentioned, I, I do think the they've been there before narrative can be overrated. We say that every single time where you think, well, the more experienced team has to have the advantage because they've been in the playoffs, they've been in the championship game, they've been in the Super Bowl, whatever it was. And for years, it's like, well, if that was the case, then the best, you know, the, the more experienced team would always win. But that doesn't always happen. But in this game, like, you can kind of feel it, man, right? The Baltimore, the whole stadium's rocking, and the Chiefs just come out, and they're like, wow, we're the defending champs. We're unstoppable. Yeah. But the Ravens counterpunched. They did counterpunch after that, and they came back with their own 75-yard drive in Lamar, and it felt like, okay, now, like, the stadium came back, and they were, they were back. But the Chiefs continued to just – you know, but take care of business. Man. That's the thing. It's the inevitability and the consistency. That's where I think you start to draw from that. We've been here. We've done it. It's the calm. You don't get panicked because the the game, you know, like it doesn't matter what happens in the game. You just keep going. You know you're going to eventually make enough plays to get it done. And that's why almost all those third downs, Mahomes just finds a way. Whereas, yeah, sure, Lamar may have made a couple of plays here, here or there, and they got themselves back into it and all those kinds of things. But it kept being a thing, right? It didn't go away. They didn't get the lead back and, you know, start scampering off into the distance. The pressure remained on them. And as long as the pressure remained on you, you're faced with that situation every single time a critical down comes up. And eventually, Lamar cracked, throwing the ball into the triple coverage. And, you know, all she wrote. That's really what it was. Like, so you mentioned, hey, Mahomes won't get all the credit. And look, the stat line is a weird one. He's 30 for 39 for just 241. That looked even weirder before the 32-yarder to, to clinch it, right? right? I mean, he was averaging five and a half yards per attempt at the end of the day because at the second half is a whole bunch of underneath stuff, underneath, underneath, and the Ravens were coming up and hitting and tackling, doing a great job of limiting yards after the catch. <clears throat> but the point that you made was, that I'm making too, is just the lack of mistakes. I, I, think, I think Mahomes was the better quarterback today, not because of the two or three highlight reel plays that you might see, you know, the downfield pass to Valdez Scantling, the falling throw to Kelsey, the the scramble. It was just because he wasn't making mistakes. He wasn't turning it over, wasn't taking negative plays, and he was just throwing completable passes where his guys could create after the catch over and over and over again. Whereas the Ravens on the other side found no rhythm offensively, no run game, because everybody's going to ask about why didn't they They ran the ball six times with their running backs. That's Two crazy. times with Zay Flowers. That so I, I want to talk about that in a second, but like, if you're just looking at what did Mahomes bring to the table, what did Lamar bring to the table, Mahomes just made no mistakes over and over and over again and just kept running the offense and executing, and Lamar was just off. And every now and again, it's like he's missing a throw, thrown into coverage, got away with one, that he should have had two picks in there, taking sacks that he shouldn't take to fall out of field goal range. Those were the mistakes that added up for the Ravens. I think you can broaden it to just the teams. I mean, Kansas City this season, partic- I mean, their offense – the, the defining narrative of them before they hit the playoffs was mistakes everywhere, whether it was penalties, drop passes, like just bad plays. They could not stop making mistakes across the board. And as soon as the postseason hit, it, they just clicked their fingers and like, that stopped now. We're just not going to make mistakes anymore. And now you have to deal with the real Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it's felt like the Patriots had done, did this before during their dynasty run where they didn't feel great during the regular season they did enough you know to get to the playoffs every year and and as soon as they hit the postseason the inevitability of Tom Brady in the playoffs just took over and they got themselves together and I don't know if that's just it's a long season you can't be on every single week and some weeks you're going to be off but as soon as it really matters those teams with championship pedigree or even simply 
a championship type of quarterback, right? Can just say, enough. We're done with this now. We're all yeah. we're all back on track and we're not going to screw up. But they didn't make mistakes. Meanwhile, the Ravens, who have been, you know, one of those teams that hasn't really made mistakes this season, like everything they've done has been right. They couldn't get out of their own way in this game in a variety of different ways, whether it was Lamar Jackson making some mistakes. They had stupid penalties left, right, and center. Uh, Zay Flowers had like one of the dumbest stretches of like a five-minute sequence I've ever seen where he makes a big play um, over Legereus Need, right? Gets up, taunts him on the way. So boom, big play, 15 yards is coming off that because you just taunted the guy on the way up. And not even like an arguable one, right? We can debate whether he should have been allowed to do it, but he isn't, right? Right. So he gets up, like stands over him, spins the ball right in his face, blatant uh, taunting penalty. That was dumb. Then he does the whole reaching out to try and score at the goal line thing. Sneed punches the ball out. So Sneed and his, you know, get gets his own revenge back, punches it out, ball goes in, touchback. So they go from potential touchdown to touchback, lost the ball. And then he ends up crowning it all by punching the bench in frustration and hurting his finger. I mean, you know, so it became Baltimore's players that couldn't get out of their own way. Mark Andrews dropped a pass that, okay, it was a difficult one, but Mark Andrews makes those catches. Right. Not today. Uh, penalties all over the place, like ridiculous penalties left, right, and center. And some of them, like the Kyle Van Noy one, I think was a pretty weak call, but was it Matt BK just clubs Mahomes in the head as he's trying to run yeah. by him? The Roquan Smith thing where he, like, runs over the guard on the – what I think was probably an intentional jump offside, was, but, yeah. like, jump offside, don't run over the guard. That's he a different penalty. To, yeah. Make um, it count. Yeah, so they just – you know, in a season where the Chiefs offense has been making so many mistakes, it they stopped doing it, and Baltimore across the board made way too many mistakes to win this game. When the – during the Patriots dynasty, my dad, who doesn't doesn't know a ton about football, you know, watches on Sundays, whatever, he would always ask me, he'd be like, all right, are the Patriots that good or is every other team just that bad? And there was so many years where it's like, it's just a bad year of football yeah. and they just happen to be the best. And I, it, we might be at that point with the Chiefs and then they play like it because the Chiefs ended up with three penalties and they were all pretty costly. It was like a holding on the Rasheed Rice screen, which is a great call on third and long, could have been a touchdown. Um, they were all holding uh, calls, right? Um, Two of them were back-to-back. The officiating in this game, I thought, was bad. Not see, slanted, just bad. See, I thought of all the year, of all the games that we've talked about, the officiating, this was not that bad I relative. I thought this was pretty bad. I thought... The, the, the point I wanted to make, though, on the, like some of the Ravens ones that you talked about, it was like, look, if, you're gonna, if you hold, you hold, right? It's like, oh, it's a bad play, whatever. You, it's a penalty. The Ravens, or like the teams playing the Chiefs, like if you're Zay Flowers... I know it's an emotional game and everything. Just don't taunt. Just don't taunt. It's an unforced error. That the was taunt, stupid, yeah. The Kyle Van Noy personal foul, that was just before the half. There was a little jostling back and forth. Travis Kelsey looked like, and it came after a one-yard run. Yeah. Right? This is like, the Chiefs are really good. And if you're playing the Chiefs, they don't need your help. Like, you can't give them your help. They're already really good. So it's a one-yard run, and it was like, t- Kelsey just jabbed just enough to get Van Noy the 15-yard penalty, in a two-minute situation before the half that led to a field goal? The reason I think it was bad, number one, I think there were a few bad calls, but I also think that they were wildly inconsistent with what they decided to call. So that Kyle Van Noy penalty, like you can look at that in if you just look at that film and say, okay, he ran in, he pushed him, that was stupid, it's a penalty. 
you can find five more of those in that game they didn't call. Right. Like, this had been a pretty chippy game. Right back, Arthur Millette should have been ejected from the game before it even started. He punched a dude in the pregame warm-ups. That's an ejection. It is. I wouldn't like it if they'd done it. But if they had ejected him pregame, you couldn't have argued with it. Like that's the, So they had already set this standard that we're going to let quite a lot go in this game. And then Van Noy sort of runs into a scuffle, shoves the guy a little bit, and they're like, oh, penalty. Um, I didn't think the hold to take off the Rasheed Rice touchdown was a hold. You can yeah, – they're I taught mean, to, like, slingshot the guy around on a screen. Again, you can find that him. in most screens – not most. You can find that in a lot of screens that get completely ignored. And in a, like, it's the AFC Championship game. You're going to tend to let those mar- like borderline yeah. ones go. I don't think they should have called that as a holding call. And then they missed one late in the game where uh, Justice Hill like trips, um, blatantly trips Chris Jones in the end zone. Remember the the punt goes to the one yard line. It's like here's a Lamar Jackson signature drive. Are you going to be John Elway? Or are you going to be playoff Lamar Jackson, you know, and very first play, Chris Jones gets pressure right up the middle. Lamar gets out of it, makes a play. One of the reasons he did that is because on the way through, Justice Hill, like, just trips him, just sticks out his left leg, and Jones goes flying onto the turf. He gets up, like, you know, hurt because of it. Nothing. that He showed a, a clear replay of that, didn't even mention it. I thought this was a pretty badly officiated game. The um, what Did you get the defensive hold by the Chiefs, too? on one of the Ravens' final drives. No. They just took somebody and threw him to the ground. And I was thinking, oh, okay. Oh, it didn't so get called, right? It didn't get it, it didn't get called. So that's like when I'm looking at the officiating, the stuff that they called, for the most part, I think it was legit. I think what you're bringing up is maybe there's some other stuff that they just missed or was inconsistent. But there was a play, um, the illegal, it was either an illegal contact or a hold. And you, you're allowed to illegally contact if the quarterback is – it's not an illegal – it's just contact. Right. If the quarterback's outside the pocket. Lamar was, like, about to scramble, but I think it was more hold than anything. Anyway, I don't think it was egregious in this game, um, but I do think the Ravens' mistakes just added up. There was the unforced penalties, Zay Flowers, Kyle Van Noy. There was Zay Flowers fumbling at the goal line because at the end of the day, the, the Ravens still ended up kicking the field goal to get within a touchdown – they had a, They were a yard away from having a touchdown on the board. And the Ravens had figured out the Chiefs' offense for the most part. They had figured them out. And, look, maybe the Chiefs got into conservative mode and run the clock and trust the defense or what have you. But the Ravens' defense made great adjustments. And it didn't feel good early if you're a Ravens fan, yeah. right? You got owned in those first two they drives. They got shocked right out of the gate. They did. They definitely got shocked. And that was where, like, the championship, championship pedigree type of thing, I don't think it always matters. But it's mattered with the Chiefs this year. Because they've played completely different football. The last three weeks, this team has looked completely different on the offensive side of the ball than they have all pretty much most of the season. The defense has been pretty steady all season. They'll have little lulls. They'll give something up. But, man, I think Spags deserves a ton of credit. They were blitzing like crazy. They just they seem to have a lot of answers. And I, I think what Spags does, I think what this Chiefs offense do, defense does, they take away the intermediate pass. They make you either – you got to hit one over the top into a tight window, or you got to hit the underneath stuff and create after the catch. And they had a couple of big plays. They hit a couple of them. They hit Zay. They hit um, Zay Flowers on a couple of them. But you have to you have to hit on your big plays and you have to execute on the stuff underneath. There, there's not going to be the the I say easy the ten to fifteen yard range yeah. where the, the Niners make their money and you know the the best offenses make their money. That's like blocked off against the Chiefs. 
and uh, they just did a really good job of that again and the Ravens never find found any rhythm no they didn't and a part of it is going to be coming back to that why did they never run the ball I was going to pose that question to you they they this game was it, they felt like a game where they were down big and you know the, the classic game you're down big you're trying you, you abandon the game plan and you start passing all game because that's the only way back into it they were never down more than 10 points in this game and barely handed the ball off against the Chiefs defense where run def like Buffalo ran the ball on them this has been a defense where running the ball against them has kind of been a weakness and you have Lamar Jackson to you know make it even more difficult to defend there was there was a lot of plays there too I think so why did they not run the ball as much well I don't know if it was as simple as we're gonna do what you don't think we're gonna do we're gonna pass the ball more than uh because Buffalo had success. I thought the, I mean, the Chiefs offense, the way they had that ball control in the first, their first two drives, that's the game plan we talk about on the show every week. Right. This is what I would do against the Chiefs to keep them off balance. And the Chiefs executed it against the Ravens. And I don't, I don't think that would have thrown them off because they were still on their script. They were still in their first 10 to 15 plays after that stuff was happening, right? So something game plan oriented or unless it was just looks from the Chiefs. They were stacking the line so much and daring the Ravens to throw, and they just said, okay, we have to – we got to throw because that's what the look says. Um, but I think the Chiefs deserve a ton of credit to maybe take them out of that and dare them to throw and dare them to, to make uh, – to, to create lower percentage plays. Um, the other, And we talk a lot about the fourth down decisions in the other game. Both of these teams on their first touchdown drives made a fourth down decision. The Chiefs one was easier. It was, you know, in that no man's land, fourth and one, they go for it, they connect. But the Ravens, their only touchdown drive, they needed to convert a fourth and short in their own territory, on their own 30. And they went for it. That was Lamar goes right up the middle on a power run and um, picks up 21. Which, by the way, a lot of people were like, man, Lamar takes that to the house a couple of years ago. Did look like it. Yeah. Like he, I did wonder why he didn't just outrun the safety he looked for a slow, touchdown. It, you know, relative to what he's done in the past. Um, it looked like, I mean, more than anything else, it looked like he didn't believe he was going to make it, which yeah. is why it became it. Like, I, I, I would have liked to know what would have happened had he simply trusted his speed and headed for the corner right. and tried to outrun him. But instead, he sort of went. I, I don't know if it was because he got through the defense and was sort of not really anticipating, and like just hadn't got his hands ready for it. But yeah, it definitely looked a little weird. Of, huh? I kind of would have expected him to score there. So Lamar, like I. I thought that they just needed more big-time Lamar plays. I mean, when we had complimented the Ravens throughout the season, I would compliment them and say they have a lot of different answers. They have a power running attack that they've always had. They've got a wide – they have a zone running attack now, which has expanded. They always have Lamar on the keeper. They have a different group of playmakers. Which, Mark Andrews was know, they used on that play. What's that? Which they used on that play. I mean, that was QB yeah. power, you know. Right. We can run downhill. We could do it with a power back. We could do it with a speed quarterback. We have Zay Flowers on uh, horizontal type of plays, yards after the catch and, and jet sweep type of plays. We have a downfield passing attack. We have speed. We have quickness. They have all these different answers. But at the end of the day, like, I just wanted to see Lamar have more Lamar takeover plays. And I thought there were points in this game where the Chiefs would rush three or four and maybe it was just all the confusion. They had so many blitzes, and it was that, um, like we talked about the Vikings, we're going to blitz, we're going to yeah. drop out. And it created just enough confusion. Because there were a lot of times when they rushed three or four, and I'm like, Lamar, just go one read and run. And he just looked so hesitant. And he he looked like he was overly trying to win from the pocket. Like, I know you can win from the pocket, but 
I think he needed a run for a, a rush for 100 yards like he did last week against the Texans. You needed some big plays from Lamar running the ball, or you just needed you know a little bit more just straight up pure run game with their backs with Lamar a part of it and um, doing something to Kansas City that they have not done a great job of stopping this year. Yeah, I mean, look, I think two things can be true at the same time. Like this was a game where Lamar Jackson needed to carry this offense to victory and he didn't manage to get that done he made some impressive plays like we had the the touchdown to zay flowers early in the game where he he's tackled i mean the guy has him was it drew tranquil like has him sacked or leo chanel one of them chanel yeah like he's got him sacked and lamar shrugs out of it and then zay flowers adjusts up vertically as soon as he sees his quarterback in trouble hits him perfectly for a touchdown that's incredible lamar jackson play that he makes that's a touchdown on the board he has one where he rescues, like, uh, the, the blitzing safety, bats the ball, and Lamar Jackson saves an interception by catching it himself and that, taking it for, for yardage. So Lamar made a bunch of spectacular plays in this game. He also made, you know, the critical interception, lob lobbing it into triple coverage that, you know, maybe ended up costing them the game at the end. So it can be, it can be true that <clears throat> Lamar Jackson did not make enough plays in a game where he needed to carry the team because nothing else was going on and he had to be Mahomes or you know Mahomes has done that Brady's done that other quarterbacks have done that Lamar's done it before like he did it in previous games this season he needed to do it in this game and he wasn't able to and that is one of the reasons it's also true that they inexplicably abandoned the run for no good reason I mean yeah. Gus Edwards the first time he carried the ball gained 15 yards and he carried it one time after that until the fourth quarter that's ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? We have a powerful, bruising running back who rattled off 15 yards the first time he touched the ball, and we're basically not going to use him again until late in the game. What? That's ridiculous. Again, maybe it would make sense if you were down, you know, four scores and you just it was all passing all the time, but you weren't. This game was never further than 10 points out of their reach, and they they never use Gus Edwards. That to me is is not good. I mean. We talked penalties, you know, Lamar's mistakes, everybody else's mistake. Coaching, that's a coaching mistake, in my opinion. They, I don't know why they went away from Gus Edwards, or forget Edwards, but the run game. Yeah, which includes concept. Lamar Jackson, right. which includes Lamar as part of it, right? That, I think, is a, is a mistake on that side. Against the team, again, the Chiefs defense that has you know, EPA per play against or whatever, it might, it's just not very good this I mean, year. it's a particularly, it's... Like, these are, I think they were the number one and number two pass defenses in the NFL, right? Right. So even if you're just looking at it in terms of what is the what is the weakest area of this team, even if it's not a weak area, it's the run game. And we should theoretically have a very powerful, very good run game. So let's try and target that. And again, even if that wasn't necessarily the plan coming into the game, it should have been the adjustment. Like, hey, guys, the pass game isn't really having a lot of joy. They're killing us there. Let's try the run game some. So all, all that said, and I think the, the Ravens defense deserves a ton of credit. There was that one drive, the, the Kyle Hamilton series, <laughs> where Kyle Hamilton was in tight coverage as a deep safety. Then he was, uh, he makes a tackle on a screen, tackle for loss or tackle at the line of scrimmage, and then creates quick pressure as a blitzer, forces a throw away from Holmes on three straight plays. Right. Love it. Kyle Hamilton, outstanding effort. The defense started to force some three and outs and force some punts. One of the biggest plays that stands out to me, so you've got the Zay Flowers fumble at the goal line, right? You have a touchdown opportunity that you've missed. Lamar Jackson gets sacked on, it was third and nine on the Kansas City 41. This wasn't all Lamar Jackson. This was Justin Reed, quick win against the back on a blitz. 
again, I think Spags does a great job, and the Chiefs just execute on third and long. It was third and nine. You have Justin Tucker as your kicker. You're on the Kansas City 41. If you pick up five yards on this play, if you just pick up five, you're, you're talking fringe field goal range for Tucker, who's maybe the best kicker of all time, or you're just going to go for it on fourth down anyway because you're down 10. You're down 10 at that point. And Lamar gets sacked, and it's fourth and 17, and they have to punt. Then, similarly, they get back in the fourth quarter. They get the Zay Flowers play. He fumbles. And now you're, you're still down 10. Then Lamar comes in, and they're, they're into field goal territory. They have a first down, and he throws it into triple coverage for an interception. So the, the game management was just awful, right? I mean, not that like Zay wasn't trying to fumble at the goal line. That's just, you know, just bad overall, bad timing, and you reached forward. At the, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But the Chiefs made the right play at the right time to knock them out of field goal range or to force a turnover just to take points off the board. And, of course, the Ravens made those bad decisions. The Lamar interception was horrendous because it was first down, it was triple coverage, and they're down two scores, and they're in field goal range. And That's why it all added up to just everything about that play was bad. And they had, like, that was, as we were saying, that it was a 99-yard drive it would have been if they had scored at that drive. It would have been, you know, the the defining thing. They had the first play they got out of trouble. They had a fourth down um, on that play from their own 18-yard line. They went for it. They picked it up. Like, that drive had the potential to be this incredible signature Lamar Jackson drive that completely transforms the game. And you'd done, you know, whatever percentage, not 75% because scoring the touchdown is the hardest part, right? But you'd done a lot of the hard work at that point to even get to that point. And then you just sort of airmailed it all away with the crazy decision into triple coverage that, I mean, even if the guy doesn't get across to pick it off, there's two other guys converging on it. It was crazy. And I lied. It was second down. I apologize. Um, the first down play, it was interesting because um, I think this, the Ravens were the favorites in this game by yeah. the line. But I think there's a quick point where the Chiefs come out and they score and it's like, we're the underdogs now. Not only are we losing, but you know, we have to play from behind and the whole thing. I mean, they did. If you watch the yeah. live line, that yeah. like, it was immediately And of course, swung. you're right. The Ravens are now the underdogs and have to play as such. And I thought there were some times they just they took some deep shots. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to just, you know, take some deep shots on first down. But Lamar Jackson, again, your guy, Tony Romo, I thought did a good job of saying he's not giving his receivers opportunities here. He would throw the ball deep and overthrow. He had three or four just pure overthrows. OBJ, I think Rashad Bateman, there was one in there. Just pure overthrows where he didn't give them an opportunity. The slot fade to Beckham. He just didn't give him a chance. Where if he... There, there's a there's a thought process when it's man coverage. If you underthrow it, we know that the underthrown interception is a I mean a defensive pass interference is a huge play, but you have to give the guy an opportunity. So that was just another place where I think game management wise and execution execution wise, Lamar was a little bit off in this game because they took shot plays against the Chiefs defense. Like I said, they're low percentage, but you got to give your guy at least an opportunity to make those and plays. And it's got to be yeah, it's got to be like when you're taking those kinds of opportunities, it's because you've identified one-on-one coverage somewhere, and it's relatively safe, right? Like we're ta- we're giving our receiver a chance to make a play one-on-one against somebody else. It's like the you know the Lions or the the 49ers Lions play, right? They took a one-on-one shot with Ayuk downfield against Kendall Vildor because you know. They like their chances in that matchup. Now, they probably didn't imagine it unfolding the way it did, right? It clanks off the yeah. face of the DB and, can't, and the, the receiver catches it. But the point being, I like that as uh, I'm going to take my chances with that matchup. 
you don't take your chances with a guy into triple coverage. He's not like he's never making that play. It's not a high percentage play. And actually, the bigger percentage is something terrible happens, like a turnover. So that was just it was bad. It was. Can I say point out something that I did love from the Ravens that I thought was kind of interesting? So we talked before the game, the preview, that this was the first AFC title game the Ravens were ever hosting, right? Every time they'd been to the Super Bowl previously, they'd had to go on the road. They never had the one seed. So first game they're hosting, obviously they do what you do, which is you bring out Ray Lewis and all that kind of stuff. You, you know, you get, get the fans going before the game, right? You, get, you make it buzzing. Everything, like, everything goes out of the building as soon as the Chiefs start the way they did. And it's like, wow, this is, the crowd's gone out of this. This is not a home field advantage anymore. In late in the third quarter, I've never seen this before. Late in the third quarter, they deliberately turned out the lights. Remember when they won the Super Bowl the last time? It was the stadium, the lights had gone out game, right? They turned out the lights deliberately. When the, it was a TV break or whatever, they turned out the lights and they brought out Terrell Suggs from like, you're know, like, hey, look, yeah. Suggs is back as one, another one of those iconic guys. And they like brought the crowd right back into it late in the third quarter when they're still only down 10. It's like, immediately they got the crowd back into this game that would have been a very big danger of like them just leaving you know and that getting no home field advantage whatsoever for the remainder of the game because the team's down 10 they're not really showing signs of life instead they're like hey remember that super bowl and by the way remember this great player and now the crowd's buzzing again it's like okay it didn't work because you know lamar throws the ball into triple coverage but I thought that was pretty smart. I've never seen a team try and like re get re-energize the crowd yeah. late in the game like that in a way beyond, you know, just flashing up the lights saying, Hey, make noise. I didn't put the light thing I didn't put two and two together because I you know, I would it was a commercial break and I would I checked Twitter and a lot of the reporters who were there were like the lights just went out. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking I was waiting for Nance to come back and be like, We have a power outage, <laughs> the lights are out, we're gonna have a delay. But they came back, and it was just like, here's a play. And they're like, oh, during the break, Terrell Suggs. I never put two and two together that they repeated the 2012 Super Bowl. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. I've never seen a team, though, like sort of deliberately try and get the crowd back into a game. Because theoretically, you're at home. Like, you should be able to do stuff like that. You should do that every quarter. If only they had uh, Browns legend Joe Flacco there, maybe to. uh, I mean, maybe the Lions should have sent out Barry Sanders late in the game to rescue it. You know? (laughs) I was yelling, no, Flacco's mine now. He's mm-hmm. ours. Browns player. But, like, if you've got... It's under contract. I mean, theoretically, you have home field advantage. You can kind of do things like that to grab yeah. the crowd back into it. Like, forget the... I would have given Barry a goal line carry. So get him into the end zone <laughs> in the playoffs, you know? Um, there was all those people saying, you know, if the Lions made the Super Bowl, they should re-sign Barry for one day to give him a goal line carry, get him a ring. Oh, they definitely should. Yeah, like... Walter Payton didn't get that nice carry. The yeah. goal line, we either give it to Barry. Fortunately, they don't. They don't make it, so Barry gets. We not. won't see that. Still doesn't make a Super Bowl. Maybe the Niners should do that for Roger Craig. Anyway, I think Roger had enough. Rings. He probably had. Yeah. Every Niner in history has had plenty of uh, Super Bowl opportunities. Um. Yeah, man. Chiefs are good. Yeah, they did it again. They really are. And I mean, it's the, it's the best defense. Look, all season the defense has been very good and consistent, and. I don't. I just think it's a combination of everything. They they game plan well. They take away what you do well. They take away high percentage stuff. And now you got Andy Reid with two weeks again. Yeah, I mean that's always been that there. was that was the other man. When we talk about the Chiefs just feeling like they're in control early in the game, especially there was so much. There was a lot of motion. 
it was like the Chiefs had all the answers for the Ravens. They and they did a whole lot of running back motion. They would sprint Pacheco um, out into the flat and then just bring him right back in, and then just read their play, read the play off that. Again, I want to give the Ravens a ton of credit too because they adjusted. They figured a lot of stuff out in the second half, and the Chiefs' offense didn't do much. Um, but early on, the Chiefs were just dominating that well, matchup, and all they had was answers. They you have Mahomes' third down stats. There was a lot of third and four, third and three, third and five, a lot of third and shorts, and they just had answers for everything that the Ravens were throwing out. In particular, their defense. I mean, we've said that multiple times this season that, you know, X good team that ran up against the Ravens didn't have answers for Lamar Jackson, right? The 49ers didn't have any answers for Lamar Jackson when they played. Um, the Chiefs did. Like, that's what this game felt. They had answers for Lamar Jackson, and Jackson wasn't able to make enough plays. The Ravens didn't have... Uh, the answer to the answer, particularly on that side of the ball, I think their defense did. But yeah, like this is the worst nightmare version for every other team in the NFL. Like all the way through the season, it's like Kansas City's defense is the best defense that's ever been paired with Patrick Mahomes. It might be good enough that they can still win playing this badly on offense relative to how they've played previously. Nobody really asked, asked the question, but what if they stop playing this badly on offense? Like what if you suddenly get the old version of the offense back and the best defense that's ever been paired with them before. Because that's currently what we're looking at. And that makes them... I mean, I'm amazed that they, the early line is out and the 49ers are favored for the Super Bowl. I'm kind of no, staggered by that. I mean, not even because of the last... I mean, the last time they played was last year. And the Chiefs put up over 40 against the Niners. And the Niners were a good defense at the time. Right. They are... I think the... Chiefs offense already matches up well against just, this pass rush. I think they'll negate the pass rush. I just feel like their thing. have we not learned anything from the last three weeks? Like, what are we doing? We, I know. we just learned that you don't, you know, bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the playoffs. Their offense is looking good again, even though they didn't put up a ton of points this week. And it is still the best defense that's ever been paired with them. So you have to favor them. I just, I, I want to go back to because. The, the, the Chiefs are the closest thing we've seen to the Patriots, right? They're comparable in that they're always in the AFC Championship and they can win a Super Bowl now any single year. And they're close to having, you know, three out of six mm -hmm. in the Mahomes era. When, when New England was at their best, they're going to be favored in most games. And I remember thinking, like, this is before teams were going four on fourth down. But remember thinking, if you're, if you're fourth and one at the 50 and you're punting, like you're just, turn the volume off, Harry. Turn the volume off, please. If you're if you're fourth and one at the fifty and you're punting, like you're just giving up. You've got no chance. You have to play like an underdog, yeah. right? And what I, I'm sensing with the really quick, what I'm sensing with the Chiefs, right? How do they? Like, they're not dominating these games. They're winning by one score. Yeah. Against the Bengals in the AFC Championship last week against the Bills, this week against the Ravens ends up being a one score game. But at the end of the day, they're not like it's James Bradbury holding in the Super Bowl on third down. It's Joseph Asai late hit out of bounds on Mahomes. It's today like a couple of these personal fouls and fumble at the goal line. I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't earning this, but the Chiefs are just they're not making those same mistakes. The other teams are, and there's definitely something to the team that is there every year is taking care of business, and every other team is kind of beating themselves as well and at the it's, same time. it's an exact rerun of history because it, this is exactly what it was with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Remember, there was a period for his career where if you change six plays, you change the outcome of six Super Bowls. Like, it, you know what I mean? He, it's the same thing. It's come down to one play here or there, and every single time the Patriots made that play and the other team didn't. And that's what's happening with the Chiefs. Okay, 
It hasn't been every single time, but they are going to make fewer mistakes than you almost all the time. Now, for some reason in the regular season, that's not what was happening. But as soon as we got to the postseason, they just stopped making those mistakes. And now they're going to make fewer mistakes than, the, than you. So the margin for error against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and this offense is so small that you can't screw up. You really can't make a big mistake because they're not going to. And they're going to find a way of getting that play in the most critical time. When it's late in the game, you know, they're going to make a big play. They're going to get the perfect pass away to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like you're going to need to do something special to get the play that they're not going to make. And it's possible, but you know, they had that. I mean, there's a bunch of ridiculous stats on Mahomes already in the, the postseason. But one that I heard in this game was now the, like the only quarterbacks that have beaten him in the playoffs are named Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. That's not it. lost to anybody else. Yeah. Like, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take either the greatest of all time or a guy that basically believes he's the greatest of all time and can play at that level, you know, in any given game. It's going to take somebody like that going up against him with complete and total confidence and having one of their better games, and that's the only way you're beating these guys. And we'll still come into next year and say, man, the AFC looks loaded. You have Josh Allen in the Bills. You have Lamar in the Ravens. Right. Joe Burrow coming back healthy with the Bengals and Justin Herbert now with – uh, with Jim Harbaugh there, and it's going to look like another tough road. But right now, the Chiefs, obviously, the team to beat in um, in, an, in an AFC that's trying to load up to beat them in particular. So impressive work by Kansas City across the board. Mm -hmm. um, I do think, you know, it, it's – the Niners have shown some weaknesses over the last few weeks. The Chiefs are playing the best football of their season, and they just beat a really good Bills team and the team that everybody thought was the best team in the NFL. So the Niners being favored in this game, I think that flips pretty quickly. And I don't think the talking head – I don't think any – we're talking heads. I don't think any talking head is going to look at this and be like, the Niners have the advantage. I think you're going to look at it through the lens of how the Niners going to pull this upset. Yeah. How is Brock – like Brock Purdy's got to play clean. The playmakers have to excel. That pass rush and that back seven and the, and the Niners are going to get challenged and they need to play their best game to beat Mahomes. That's the, the thing. And, you know – if. The only quarterbacks that have beaten him in the postseason, either the, either the greatest of all time or a quarterback that's so self-confident and able to play at that level that he can masquerade as that for a, a game or two in Joe Burrow. Purdy doesn't, I don't fit either of those categories. He's clearly not the greatest of all time, at least yet. And uh, I don't think he's shown necessarily that he can play at that Joe Burrow kind of level perfectly throughout a game and just dominate from start to finish and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mahomes. So immediately you're like well they're I, again i don't i don't see how they're favored in this game i think this is kansas city should be favorites they've earned it and they've gone through it the hard route and until a team shows that they can completely knock them off their stride and have a clean game themselves i don't know how you could bet against them i know what we can do for you though we can give you a little promo code off mds pff mds promo code is 30 mds two more teams that need to be drafting yeah so if you Man, I don't want to even tell Lions fans or Ravens fans what to do with their time. Hmm. But clearly, it's 30 MDS, and there's 30 teams who have been eliminated. Yeah. And they can all go use the Mock Draft Simulator. So 30% off your PFF annual subscription. 30 MDS is the promo code that you can use for a limited time. I don't know how limited. It will run out eventually. So therefore, it's for a limited time only, the promo code 30MDS over at pff.com. Um, anything else to add as we get ready for the Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. I mean, 
So those were that was a good championship weekend. I think those was. were two very good, good games. And albeit, exciting, entertaining. Yeah, in in different ways. Um, it we end up we don't get the Super Bowl that everybody was expecting, right? The chalk Super Bowl was Baltimore, San Francisco. We only got yeah. 50% they have to that. change the colors of the Super Bowl logo now. Well, that's gone now. The the, the conspiracy theory or whatever you want yeah. to call that. My uh, my stylist, she's a new NFL fan. Uh-huh. Um, jumped into the NFL fandom with Joe Burrow. And okay. so she knows nothing about the NFL. So we, we have surface level football conversation when I was getting my hair cut last week. And she said, I mean, she was like, I will be done with the NFL if, um, if it's Niners Ravens. And then she was joking. She's like, I heard next year it's going to, you know, it'll be Bengal Tiger Strike, you know, it'll be like black and orange or something. And if the Bengals go next year, she's like, then it's definitely, you know, the fix is in. So she was like on the cusp as a two-year NFL fan of losing her fandom. So she's back in. And she's right back in there. Yeah, she's back in. Got it. Is Tyler laughing at Harry? Just kind of like... It's hard to tell. Spinning around over here, yeah. trying to sneak in. Is he in the... Is he going to get into the shot at some point? Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this week, a couple things here. You could still vote for us for best podcast, best American football podcast. Certainly when is that a couple of hours. It might be today. So this might... We might need everybody to sprint <laughs> to the link in the description. Uh, sportspodcastgroup.com you got to get there right now vote for us um vote for us with multiple emails that's legal always um you could do it from your phone plus your computer you could vote twice maybe you might be able to you might be able to beat the system so well, we're certainly the that. phone does work now yes. the phone is doing a much better yeah the voting will close on january 28th which is today that's today hurry up it's 11 24 on the 28th so hurry up go <laughs> vote right now right now got 36 minutes to get your votes you in. Be quiet. Leave the stream. You got to keep your voice down, Harry. I know it's exciting. Yeah. Leave the stream right now. We don't need your YouTube views anymore. We need your votes. We need your votes. Need your votes. And the great thing is. American Football Podcast. We absolutely promise that if you go and vote for us, this will be the last we tell you to go we'll, do we'll it. We won't bug you we'll anymore. never do it again. We will not bug you anymore. Because we won't need to. It'll be over. Um, and then this is our Monday show. We're just doing it early. We're giving it to you early. The night of mm. championship weekend. So there's no Monday morning show tomorrow. We might come in here, record a show for Tuesday, because I'm going to hit the road tomorrow. I'm going to the Senior Bowl. You're all on the road. You're on this. You're at the Senior Bowl. Trev's at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. I'm stuck here. You're stuck here. But next week we're going to travel together. We're going to go to Vegas. To the Vegas, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll have. Uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday. Sam and I will be talking. We're going to talk about our friend Zach. Yeah. Is uh, offensive coordinator for the Falcons. We'll break that down. We need more people to send us in ideas of things you could do. I, I didn't tell the people my great idea. Which one again? Where we send you into the gold and silver pawn shop from the TV, the hit TV <laughs> yes. show Pawn Stars. Yes. And try and sell them an autographed Palazzolo baseball card. Yeah. And I love see it. what they'll offer you for it. So I think I, think I go in, right? Because I, so, I have fans that still send me cards. Right. I have a fresh card have a that was just sent. So I've got the we card. Get like, we get whatever the fancy case is that people have, yeah. you know, where they've like, this is a precious thing and they protected it. Like, I was going to say differently, right? But I go in with it unsigned. And say how much, and they say nothing, and they go, say you know, and then I now. sign it on the spot and yeah. hand it back. Now, you know, I think that's I think I think you have it pre-signed, and it's like you know, properly like put in one of those fancy cases that people yeah. put like the Honus Wagner card or whatever, and you <laughs> yes. walk in, you're like, how much for the? It's a genuine signed power. Tyler, Zola. can you film this episode? That's of, the idea. Uh, yeah. yeah, we can. And film then this whole the thing. guy just looks at you like. Even right. even better if they call in the expert, you know, yeah. who rocks down to the show. Hold on, let me see. It's like I've never heard of this jackass. This is garbage. What are you? It's worthless. The Connecticut Defenders 08 card. What's it worth? <laughs>
Let's check uh, eBay. Nine cents. Because the other thing is, if it's one of those pictures of it, like that one, right, with the mustache and whatever, they're not even going to know it's you. That's true. Like it's going to take yeah. the expert coming in and telling them, this, two and two I've never heard of this guy, to your face. It would yeah. be amazing. Anyway, That's we need content. more people to tell us things we could do in Vegas. Maybe places we could eat, too. We are unfortunately stuck in the Luxor, which doesn't. Oh, man. That way we can go wherever we got to go. Which hasn't had great reviews in terms of a, a venue. You know? What are you going to do? I've been through it recently, and it, it's, it doesn't feel like a pleasant place anymore. Uh, well, you've, you've lowered my expectations for our trip. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Other than, yeah, let's, you know, food. I mean, I'm gonna, I want to hit the biggest buffet. I want the, the, the biggest seafood buffets and everything. I can the, crush yeah. some seafood. To be fair, I mean, look, this was 20 years ago, but the Luxor buffet was excellent, even if the Luxor hotel itself. 20 years ago? Not so much. Yeah, we'll, do well, a, we'll do a buffet How much tour. can a buffet change in 20 years? Probably I'm sure other ones can elevate their game and maybe surpass it. I mean, I'm not saying it's the best anymore. I'm saying it's probably still pretty good, though. Um, we also want the people to know I currently do not have uh, credentials. I, I'm, I will not game. be a, a media member right. for the game. Last year, that was a big deal. I stayed back and ordered 50 wings by myself. And so if you want to follow that story along, I will try to get credentialed and get into the game. This would yeah. be my fourth Super Bowl <laughs> where I'll be there. Yeah. And hopefully my first actually attending the game. Right. Every single time. It fell through previously. Yes. And right now, uh, Gordon's going to screw me over and take <laughs> one of the two credentials that we have. Right to, now, Gordon. To be fair. Now, the Ravens lost. Yes. You have a better chance now than you did six hours ago. So, Gordon should give me the credential. Right. Because it's mine. Like, we were asking for me, and Gordon took it I for himself. We've. I keep telling you that you should do this as a general concept, but I think you should just use your size and intimidate him. Just say, it's my ticket now. I should bully more people. Yeah, I should just walk up to him, loom over him. Good. I got my kid over here, and I try to teach him not to bully his little brothers. Yeah. I need to be a good example. But right. maybe it's time to. But you can. I mean, he won't be there in Vegas. He won't be he in won't Vegas. Know. That's true. So you could just loom over Gordon and say, "That's my ticket now." Yeah, and just take it. I might do that. So there's a lot of storylines to keep up with. So I'm going to go to the Senior Bowl this week. We'll get um, some great coverage from all the college players. You as the camp arm. I'm going to be a camp arm. I'm going to be on the sideline. You know, you know, talking it up. See Dan Marino and John Elway again. Oh, they don't have jobs anymore, do they? They still working for teams? I think they just hang around, though, don't They're they? They're probably yeah. on mobile. They don't want to go. Well, anyway, we're out of here. It's time to go. Marino's like a consultant. He's always like, maybe he'll be there. Around I'll the talk team. to Dan, but uh, I'll be trying to get a GM job down there too. So keep you know mm. something else to keep an eye on. Sweet. And then we'll, we'll head to Vegas. Nice. So uh, we'll see you again on Tuesday. We're going to break down all the coaching changes and Zach getting a job and Bobby maybe not getting a job just yet and everything. So sound good? Yep. All righty. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again on Tuesday with more. PFF NFL Podcast. Say bye, Harry. Yep. Bye. A lot of people are watching right now.